Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we talk about an artist, band, villain. This week we're talking about MF Doom. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with Jared. And we have our guest here. John Foster, what's up, guys? Doing, doing all right, doing all right. We do, we do not have Tyler here today. He's got some, some issues on his end. So we are, we are a three, three piece, but a different three piece than what we usually are. Indeed, but that is all right. We, uh, we will still truck on, and we will still be able to talk about MF Doom this week. And how did you guys feel about MF Doom, John? Did you? I know that you know MF pretty well at this point in time. Yep. Uh, did you have a good chance to kind of revisit a lot of his music over the week? I did. I mean, I've I've been listening to MF Doom for a long time, and um, and you know he's always been a discussion lately for some reason on Twitter and other you know forums that I frequent. So um, I kind of went back revisiting with a different kind of mindset than I used to, and I have a lot to say about that. So looking forward to it. Okay, awesome. And Jared, how did you feel about listening to MF Doom? Uh, I enjoyed it. I have listened to him. I'd listened to mm Food before, and I'd kind of followed his career for a little while. When I was like younger, first getting into hip hop and stuff, mm-hmm. um, he's kind of the name that comes up as like the standard bearer of like, I guess quality rhyming. Yeah, and, like he like technically is very good. Uh, he's British as well, which is interesting. Indeed, you don't get that very much. Mm-hmm. Not not since Slick Rick have you heard such great uh, British rap. There you go. That's a that's an uh, interesting uh, uh, standard to to set it at right there. He's, I mean, I was. Uh, there's another every like two months. There's a new list of the top a hundred MCs, uh-huh. and some Double uh, XL just put out a thing um, of like here's what somebody else made a list of like the top fifty, mm-hmm. and it's interesting like people's comments on it. Somebody was like, "You got to have Slick Rick for the storytelling. You got to have this person for yeah. this." And then um, somebody else was like, it's not a real list of Kendrick's not in the top 10. It's like, I mean, I mean, everybody's kind of got their opinions about like who is the best, but there's definitely a couple that like, you know, like, like I would argue that MF Doom is one of those, like for me, like top five, top 10, like you, you really have to have him up Mm. there in terms of like, I wouldn't put him that high, but there's so it's interesting because like, it just depends on the list and who's making it. Some people yeah. like, okay, you have to have the like OGs in first before you can put anybody yeah. new in. You right. know, like you wouldn't have Kendrick or Eminem without Pac, Snoop, Biggie, right, Ice Cube, Dre. And then they're like once you fill up that, then it's like, okay, well then you can't have new people in because like that's not I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that's an yeah. argument that's fair. Yeah. But I, I so mean, that's, that's actually usually, yeah, I was going to say it's usually the argument that I have with it. But for me, the funny thing is like, you know, I've been on Twitter, I guess, more like the last couple months and kind of getting into hip hop conversations and people hate MF Doom on Twitter. And it's really because any other man, I've been frequenting hip hop forums for well over 10 years now. And on Twitter, I mean, nowhere else but Twitter has anyone ever just completely bashed MF Doom and and. You know, like I said, I have a lot to say about that. I mean, they, you know, they they talk about, you know, they say he's very abstract, which honestly, sure. like, you know, listening back, um, I don't really think he's a, as abstract as some as I mean, he has his moments. But I mean, my favorite MF Doom stuff is is very just traditional boom bap stuff. I mean, he goes into a little 
you know, he has his moments that are, you know, he just adds his own little spin to things, which is kind of his artistic creativity, but it's not sure. abstract or experimental. I mean, yeah. like I said, he has experimental moments and abstract moments, but I would say 70 to 80% of it is just boom bap to me. I, I could, I could agree with, especially like, so like I would imagine your kind of standard of what you're thinking of is kind of like the operation doomsday portion of yep. time. Cause that's obviously, you know, his, his debut album was very, very, centered on that boom bap kind of style it's really you know I, I think the abstract end of things is kind of his um his use of like um sampling i think that his samples are often yeah. a little bit more different than other uh hip-hop artists samples because he's i mean down to the core he's kind of a nerd yeah. like when it comes down to it he's yeah. got comic book references and movie references and you know like a, a cartoon references and like he, he kind of clearly has a little bit more of a nerdy side to him that i don't think was really like that standard in hip-hop yeah. prior to him kind of coming out so i don't know if maybe and, that's and where for, people come from with the abstract idea of him and for me when i think of like an abstract rapper i think of those rappers that just rap over a beat, you know, with no drums, right? Mm-hmm. So with MF Doom, like he has his moments, like, you know, listening back to his discography the last week, um, the, you know, there were some moments, like, uh, I would guess in the latter part of his career where he kind of went that path. Sure. But like I said, for the, like, like one I can think of is uh, The Venomous Villain, which is uh, uh, the sequel to Varda, Vardaville Villain, which is one of my favorite Doom albums. Great album, for sure. Album, yeah. One of his aliases, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he he went a little abstract on there, but you know, like the other stuff I listened to was, like I said, pure boom bap. Even Mad Villainy, which is top five, top ten hip hop album of all time to me. Yeah, um, you know, the, it, you know Mad Lib is it's very just like strict beats. I mean, none of it's really weird to me. It's just unique sampling. You know, when I think of abstract, I think of like a Billy Woods or like, you know, even like an Earl Sweatshirt and things like that. Where, yeah, like yeah, I said, yeah. They're just kind of they're rapping. To, to me, I think of it like they they rap and then it's like, okay, here's my here's my vocals. Just put a beat over it and like let's, let's turn it in. Yeah. So there's like no like like he's not necessarily flowing over the beat. Um, and it's just and that's what I think of abstract. And I, and yeah, you know, I don't I think Doom is very you know traditional. I think that he's definitely rooted in the traditional. I think you know again like there's definitely moments. I I even think like I, I agree the sampling is a big part of it, but I think there's some moments where like because just Madlib's uh, production work in general as a hip hop producer, he you know he obviously uses a lot of different sounds than what you would kind of expect in the traditional idea of hip hop, but it's still rooted in that kind of boom bap style in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, like you mentioned, like Earl Sweatshirt, like the slums movement kind of in general is something that definitely uses a whole different kind of sound um, that's very different from like an MF Doom that is perhaps arguably more abstract. Um, a little bit of context. I, I'm sure, you know, if anybody's checking out an MF Doom podcast, they very well may be familiar. But if you're not, uh, MF Doom is um, so he his, his major persona is kind of based out of Doctor Doom, mm-hmm. the comic book villain from Fantastic Four. The he's featured on the the front cover of the uh, initial album, and he has kind of been elusive throughout his career. He wears a mask. He doesn't really. He's not really seen ever without the mask. But he's had other personas as well. He has the the Victor Vaughn, which is kind of like this younger persona who's kind of like a follower to um, the Doctor Doom style, which is which is also based you, out you know of the story behind the mask. Behind the mask, you know the story. Um, 
I don't think I know it as well as I bet you do. So I'd love to hear you talk about it. I'll give you a little Easter egg here. So um, MF Doom was in a group called KMD in the early 90s, late 80s. Fun fact there, if uh, if any of you guys are familiar with the song called The Gas Face by Third Base, uh, MF Doom, at the time, he went by Zeb Love X. He was featured on that song. He was in the third verse in the music video. You can see him without the mask. Mm -hmm. Um, So the story behind the mask is... um, so KMD was a group. It was three guys, um, MF Doom, Zevlov X, or AKA Zevlov X. Um, DJ Subrock. I can't remember the DJ Subrock, right? And then another guy, uh, I can't remember his name. It was like something, the, the mad shot. I can't remember his name, but I can't anyway, either. so DJ, DJ Subrock was MF Doom's brother, right? Um, now in, I think, 92, 93, Subrock was 19. He freaking got hit by a car and died, right? Yep. And MF Doom wears a mask because he feels as if when he wears a mask, it's his it's his brother, it's like his presence, like kind of soaking into him, right? Oh, so he's kind of like vicar not vicariously, but he's kind of just like kind of living through his uh yeah, his brother when he's wearing the mask. Huh? I didn't realize that. I know that what I had kind of read a little bit about is that like because the other thing that happened with them is that their um, their debut album, you know, wasn't like a stellar in terms of like commercial release. Um, it got some radio play because at the time, like um, MTV had um, kind of some specific like remote mo- control or something. I, yeah, something like that kind of thing where they were ha- they were showing hip hop exclusive kind of content yeah. at the time. But their second album um, got some controversy due to the album cover. And so at the around the exact same time that his brother passed away, they had gotten pulled from their label and the, the second album didn't get released. So he kind of like disappeared for like what was it like three years or something like that from like 94 to 97 i think um and then so he was kind of saying like he um was kind of living on the streets of i think manhattan and like kind of sleeping on um you know park benches and he basically that's kind of when he started his like villain persona is he kind of saw the music industry as something that kind of destroyed him and he wanted to destroy it in return is kind of what i read about was his perspective on um, coming back into the hip hop scene the way that he did. So, but yeah, like he also has, he has the Victor Vaughn, uh, which is based out of the, the Dr. Doom as well, because Dr. Doom's um, name is Victor Vaughn Doom. And then he also has uh, King Ghidorah, which is, I didn't, I don't think I knew as much about King Ghidorah until this week when I was doing some more research. Um, and he, yeah. it's based out of a three headed monster from Godzilla films. Yep. And so they he used within that one some um, some samples because he's only really had like one full length King Ghidorah album. He used some samples from like yeah. old monster movies and stuff like the the Godzilla style. Uh, what's the what's the term? Mm-hmm. Um, kaiju. Kaiju. That's, that's what uh, it is. Yeah, kaiju. <laughs> it's uh. So I that's, remember him on PBS. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, but. But yeah, that's so. Those are kind of the the personas that he's taken on throughout his career. But again, the MF Doom one is kind of his um, predominant um, identity throughout his career. So um, I know that for me, I'm not sure if the the two of you, what the two of you's kind of introduction to MF Doom was. I kind of first started getting interested in hip hop. You know, like a decade and a half ago and it was kind of based off of gorillas demon days Mm -hmm. because you know gorillas was kind of an artist who i have enjoyed um when i discovered them 
And that was kind of like a, an entryway to a lot of the the hip hop that I had been listening to. That's like, how I got into De La Soul. Yeah, De La yeah. Soul, uh, Del the Funky Homo Sapien yeah, was Del, another one, yeah, of yeah. course, for Clint Eastwood and you know other songs from yeah. that that initial trip hop y kind of album. But there's a, I mean, they had a ton of hip hop related features, and not really even just on Demon Days. I think they had Snoop Dogg on a song later in the career. They had. Um, they had some others, but you get the point. So he's he's yeah. featured on a gorilla song on Demon Days, and I, you know, was familiar-ish with him at that point. So when I kind of started getting into more hip hop and discovering like like Mad Villainy was kind of I think really the big entryway into his music. I was like I kind of went back and realized like oh I've I've heard, I've listened to him before. I know this guy. So I don't know, um, John. What was kind of your introduction to MF? Yeah. Well, you know, I would say around the time I kind of really got into hip hop as much as I am. He was kind of one of those marquee names. He always kind of fell. Um, I always say he's one of the more popular. I mean, he, he, you can almost consider him a mainstream underground rapper, if you will, like sure between him and around that time, it would have been like the immortal techniques and, and Jedi mind tricks and people like that. And that was kind of my introduction was probably mad villainy too. Um, and then also uh, operation doomsday. I mean, those, have been in constant rotation for me. I mean, sure. You know, 10 plus years, I mean, for a long time. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it was gorillas for me, although I, I was listening to the gorillas back in the day. That was definitely my introduction to De La Soul. But yeah, I think for me, it was probably Mad Villainy because I think I was listening to Mad Lib a little bit before I got into MF Doom. So okay. know, probably Mad Villainy. That makes sense. Jared, do you know when you were first kind of introduced to MF Doom? The, was first, it? Okay. the first thing I remember is mm, food. It was back in the LimeWire days, and I was trying to find things that were weird and interesting, like Blender and, uh, you know, like different, like like Rolling Stone and stuff that would be like, these are the 50 hip-hop albums you have to hear. These are like weird stuff. Um, and so that's the first thing I really remember. And then I remember listening to The Mouse and the Mask, because I remember the, and I really want to talk, like that's one of my... The best thing I think this yeah. week, it's mm food and the mouse and the mask because it's like very interesting. Yeah. Um, but I remember Sofa King. I remember that song. I remember like just incorporating the Adult Swim stuff yeah. into that album. And oh, that's like one of the things I, I remember. Um, but those are really the two that I remember the most. That makes sense. Yeah. Let's let's dig oh. into the mouse and the mask a little bit, actually, because I, I think that that is actually something that I, you know, I knew about kind of his relationship with Adult Swim it's really it's actually kind of like long there's really it's not just the mouse and the mask like that he did other songs through them he even um briefly voiced over a giraffe in the show perfect hair forever which nice. i was like what <laughs> like that's so weird yeah, that was brought up in one of the songs not that character but mm -hmm. just like he brought up perfect hair forever and things mm -hmm. like it's funny mm -hmm. because like i feel like he could put out a adult swim theme album once every like five years and i think it would be amazing yeah like just because oh, yeah. like there's new shows and so like when he's talking about certain things from that time period like uh 30 ounce mouse mate like stuff like that that's like yeah. okay i don't really care about predominantly like aqua teen hunger force yep. space ghost yep, harvey was, harvey yep. birdman yep. zorak um, was on there i mm -hmm. think uh, i love the the meat wad stuff where he's like please yeah. put me on this album <laughs> i i have other things i can do oh no that was master shake who was doing those no, I thought yeah, it was me. Yeah, Master Shake was the one on the album who's like, I uh, um, like I called. I, I'm, oh I'm yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're yeah, right. You're yeah, right. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I yeah. was thinking of well, Frywad. 
you, you know the um the you know they did the ma- the mouse and the mask, but you know the name of the EP that Danger Doom did after Mouse and the Mask. Mm-mm. Oh my gosh! So it's called Occult Him. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. Occult Him. That was uh, yeah. There was a lot of Adult Swim influence, and I actually think that was another kind of way I got into uh, MF Doom because you know Adult Swim did a great job with uh, representing underground hip hop for sure, in the mid to late thousands. They mentioned I mean, MF Doom, I can think, Asheru, uh, I, I don't know why I'm blanking out of some other names, but they definitely did a great job introducing them to the, um, and giving them a platform too. I mean, there was yeah. like an adult split record label too, I think. Yeah, no, like, I, think yeah. It, I think it's still around. And you know what's interesting? Uh, we we You were on Run the Jewels, and yeah. I just showed Caleb an article. Uh, adult, adult Swim is having Run the Jewels perform the their new album all the way through for the first time on a stream both on their website on their youtube page uh to try and get people to come out and or to to register to vote yeah so like their adult swim is still incorporating what they do in hip-hop and like you know trying to have the relevancy on all of that stuff yeah it's just it's interesting but yeah i'm pretty sure the record label is still a thing i still um well, like, I mean, you have uh, Eric Andre that has, like, Action Bronson's been on there. Yeah. And then you have Tyler, the creator, with Loiter Squad. Like, right. I mean, their, their relationship, Adult Swim's relationship with hip-hop is, like, super interesting. And it's been like that since MF Doom. You know, right. like, all yeah. through. Yeah. It and really has been ended. consistent. I, I think MF Doom basically ended his relationship with Adult Swim maybe, like, 2018 or something like that. Hmm. Uh, I'm sure that he could, you know, find his way back in at some point. But, yeah. yeah, they, I mean, they've done a good job of just kind of music being something involved with them. Like, I, what, what isn't, they do the Fish Center, right? Yes. And yeah. Fish Center has done a lot of, like, musical artists that come in. They, they do performances. But hip-hop definitely is deeply rooted in um adult swim in a lot of ways which is it really is something where like so like you listen to the mouse and the mask and like um having like an underground like you know gruff hip-hop voice talking and doing his his usual style but then also having like also having like aqua teen hunger force like voices come in and like brack introduces the album and it's like what is going on? This is crazy that you would have these kind of worlds collide in like a full album experience. Yeah. And like uh, Danger Mouse, I'm pretty sure Danger Mouse has a relationship with Gorillaz as well. Um, didn't he do some of the production on uh, Demon Days, if I remember right? I don't know. It would make sense. I, th- um. I think he did. I could be totally off base with that one, but I, for some reason I remember him kind of having a relationship with him too. I'm not sure if maybe that's where um, MF and him maybe started um you know collaborating I, i'm not really sure on that one so i won't speak to that too much sense. but i would make a lot of sense actually if, if that was kind of their introduction to towards each other yeah um one, yeah, yeah and, and, and food you mentioned that one too that's also an interesting album if you want to talk a little bit about kind of this the the context of that album it's it's probably a little bit more straightforward than the adult swim one but yeah i mean it's mostly just like songs about food i mean like that's the title <laughs> of all the songs they all have some kind of either like name of the song is food or he talks about food in it like it's not that's not the entirety of the album Mm -hmm. like i mean you can listen to the album and not be like man he's talking about food too much but he's got tracks like uh, gumbo uh, poo poo platter or no poo putt platter (laughs) filet wrapper like you know like he incorporates 
things like that. Did I, you see in the news recently that one of his songs from that album has been getting a little bit more uh, more attention no, lately? No. Uh, you might be able to process why this is, but I believe it's pronounced uh, Rap Snitch Niches, perhaps, with Mr. Fantastic. Rap Snitch Niches. Kanish. Oh, Kanish. Yes. Thank you. Kanish. Jewish. Yeah, yes, Kanish, yeah. that is right. So Rap <laughs> Snitch Kanish. Yes. Has been. I do want to touch on that to it but because there's somebody that we need to talk about uh-huh. um that's very important to the mf doom story and uh but it's in and, and he's on rap snitch conditions so okay we'll talk about that and then yeah, so I'll I'll let you talk about uh, the, I'll just really briefly the reason for that is pretty obvious is six nine that, that, that I guess there's been right. it's been getting a little bit more popularity mm. because of the rap snitch um you know moniker of things so so feel yeah please please tell me about what what you got on your mind okay so one of the biggest mysteries in uh in in hip-hop history that i've i've looked into every couple years for the last decade plus i swear there's a guy who was on two mf doom songs named mr fantastic he was on rap snitch canicious and he was on uh uh uh, he was on antimatter on uh take me to your leader the king Ghidra album Mm mm-hmm and nobody knows who Mr. Fantastic is. He's one of the biggest mysteries in hip hop. And, um, you know, I've read so much about it. I mean, he and he kills both verses. I mean, he, you know, punchlines, flow, delivery, charisma. I mean, he has all the attributes he wants as an MC. And uh-huh. he, he, no one knows who he is. The few things we know about him um, and, <laughs> and anti matter, he says they used to call him pure math. So I guess he might have been called pure math. Okay, um, and then I think and this is just off the top of my head. And then on yeah. um, on uh, rap snitch conditions, I think he uh, MF Doom says he he met Mister Fantastic at an arms deal. Okay, and, uh, no no one knows who he is. There's been rumors um that he's actually Count Basie, who's also another one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, but Mister, if if you have some time, just Google the mystery of Mister Fantastic. It's you, you can find stories and articles and fans taking their best guesses for 15 years. That's crazy. <laughs> Has he been on a lot of other um, hip-hop verses outside of the two no, with MF no. Doom, or is that it? He's only done two verses with MF Doom, and that was it. No one knows what he looks like, who he is. He's never done an interview. At least and, and like in, said, at least in that, just- at least it, as that name. You know, he could be like yeah. another um, hip-hop artist that just went by a different, you know, like, but... But you would think that maybe you would even be able to recognize the voice to some degree. Well, that may be able to kind of narrow yeah. things down a little bit. Well, more. he you said you mentioned Count Bass D, who is also on that same album, and he's like credited uh, on the song, yeah, Potholders. So like I can see where that is a viable option. Why you would go by a different name on two tracks and only your own name on one? Weird. But I mean, it's not out of the question for hip hop albums to have weird stuff like that. Sure, like it's it's That's interesting when you have uncredited people on albums. Um, like, yeah. it, I don't I don't know what the benefit is necessarily. Sure, but yeah, I saved um, that song, Rap Snitch Kanish. Um, I don't know why. I just I liked it and <laughs> I put it on my thing. But it is a good song, I think. You know. So. Um, so let's go. Let's go ahead and play. Let's play a song. Actually, um, Jared, why don't you tell me what do you think is the song uh, from the week that really stood out to you the most? I'm gonna pick uh, from uh, the Mouse and the Mask. I'm gonna pick the song. Uh, I'm, I'm torn between Sofa King and I guess I guess I'll pick the song The Mask. That okay. makes sense. Cool. Given that it's about the Mouse and the Mask. Yeah, that one's got Ghostface Killer on it. Yes. 
Head on straight, mask on crooked Exit stays left with the cash gone, took it Off like a koofy, the fit was a bit doofy He tried to get screwed with that two for you One, two for me, G Come to cranky attitude Wet him like a handkerchief on a stanky fatter dude Whether you's a rapper or a dang sanger Once you in, it's only one way out Like a gangbanger with a new crew keychain and street name What said do he claim for fame? That is a good choice. That song also has Brack and Zorak on it, but we didn't get to hear them. That is all right. <laughs> People have to go check out the album to hear all the uh, I enjoy Adult that Swim references to yeah. it. <laughs> the, the references and the features of the cast of... So we have cast of C-Lab, the cast of Harvey Bird, oh, like just various voices. I yeah, yeah, say. yeah. Uh, Taleb Kweli, who's on there, which is super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and then Space Ghost, and then majority is Aqua Tween. Like those yeah. are the main people that are on it. But yeah, speaking of mentioning the the Ghostface Killer thing, I I find the fact that he has done so many collaborative albums interesting. One of the ones recently that kind of stood out to me was the Zarface uh, meets Metalface album, and uh, I I think Zarface is pretty cool. They really are clearly, clearly, clearly influenced by mf doom in a lot of ways they have the same kind of comic book style all their albums have like comic books uh, on the cover kind of thing they have similar kind of sampling styles so uh them kind of meeting together and having an album just made too much yeah. sense really <laughs> so but yeah they, and of course you know the the major album uh, with mad lib um they've he's worked with ghostface killer and they i don't they never did release their full length album did they they teased it for so long. Um, Operation Iron Man, I think it was going to be called. Uh, and he did a couple. MF Doom produced a couple beats on uh, Ghostface's uh, Fish Scale album. Mm-hmm. And I think he did some stuff on More Fish, which is the album that came after Fish Scale. But nope, never came out. Yeah. So that that's one that we kind of missed out on. I'm trying to remember what other what other collaborative albums. Obviously, the, you know the the Danger Doom. He has one, Go ahead. one that I was wondering if you guys got to uh, the MF EP, which is MF Doom and MF Grimm. Now, MF Grimm is probably a technical, technic, technical, technically technical, better rapper than MF Doom. Oh, really? Um, and he follows me on Twitter. So if, he, if he's ever listens to this, what's up, Grimm? But uh, <laughs> he used to go by uh, the Grim Reaper. And then, you know, he went to MF, you know, changed to MF Grimm. Yeah. Um, it's a very very interesting story actually if if any if you ever have some time just google his story it's probably it's one that should be made into a movie but anyways um they both did an ep called the mfep and it was um it was three songs by mf doom one of them was a remix it was just a remix to doomsday different beat doomsday from uh, operation doomsday mm-hmm. and then grim had three tracks um that was one that kind of slipped through the cracks it came out before because you know doom really came to the public eye in around 03 and uh 04 with um M- with M- food and uh and the uh victor von stuff yeah and then i know a lot of people from that time that you know were listening to hip-hop didn't even hear, like i don't know too many people that were listening to operation doomsday when it came out in 1999 sure that was kind of something that got revisited later on um when he kind of blew up to the scene, but mfep was kind of one that slipped through the cracks there yeah and i know that because mad villain um, their Mad Villainy project is really like the only one that's gotten a lot of commercial. It was kind of the first one, I guess, that got the the most commercial success of his music. Yeah. Um, and really, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy to think of him 
having kind of commercial success like at that point in his career because again like he is very rooted in the underground scene of music uh, and really you know it's an, I would probably argue I, I could be wrong you guys might feel differently he's probably the most popular underground hip-hop oh, artist. For sure. so for sure. I, I can't really think of an underground hip-hop artist who has the same level of um notoriety right. as him yeah. I think close would like the only other person would maybe be Aesop Rock, because I mean, yeah. like MF, I don't. Did he have songs in Tony Hawk Underground? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's true. Aesop's been able to bring up a lot of people. Uh, I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying that's another name that yeah, sure. you know, like you could argue. But like the other one, early, that also, early in Aesop's okay. career, mm-hmm. he worked with MF. Right. You know, so it's like he wouldn't have been able to maybe to have as much without maybe his relationship with. MF as well. Right. The other one, obviously, which, you know, again, we all talked about is Run the Jewels LP, mm-hmm. who has a, a big underground following early on. Mm-hmm. But Run the Jewels really isn't underground at all. No. So it's even hard to argue that he's still an underground hip hop artist yeah. at that point. The right. style is different from the underground style of what he was doing when he was a solo artist. So, like, you know, there's some obviously some underground names that are up there, but I still think MF Doom is probably the one, uh, but I do think Aesop is a good um, example of someone else. Uh, you mentioned MF Grimm. He was on an ep- uh, some episodes of Sesame Street. Did you know that? I think it was uh, late. In like the Correct 70s? If I'm wrong, it was later on in his career, I believe, right? Or like maybe early 2000s? No, no, it was well, like no, no, when he was, was a kid. And he was like nine years old. He was neighbors with yeah. Morgan Freeman. And Morgan Freeman yeah. helped arrange for him to be cast as a child actor on Sesame Street. What? <laughs> I'm telling you, it's funny. Like when you look into kind of you know rappers, especially ones that get a lot of success, you know, you, you look back and sometimes they were kind of destined to, for you know success and popularity. I mean, you know, they were child stars, child actors. Yeah, know? that's crazy. I, Smith. Yeah, I, had, I had no idea. That's true. I had no idea about. Like, cause I, I don't, yeah, MF I Grimm, not MF Doom. Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had, I really not known about MF Grimm. I, I had kind of seen that he, they had the EP. I didn't have a chance to listen to it myself. Um, but I was aware that it was a project that he did. I would have never known that MF Grimm was somebody who was on Sesame Street as a kid. That's crazy. So I want to very briefly, uh, we're talking about rappers that have like aliases and pseudonyms and stuff. Sure. There's somebody I want to mention very briefly. We've ne- I've never talked about this, but I found it super weird. Cool Keith, uh, who is oh a God, yeah. a well-known rapper, he goes by, he goes by Doctor Octagon, also known as Doctor Octogonicologist. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who is a homicidal extraterrestrial time traveling gynecologist and surgeon? That's the character. I actually so um, John, I know you probably listened to it, his big album. The uh, which one, Doom or Keith? Uh, the um the octopus. <laughs> uh, doc, I think wait, he only, did. He only have one. Did he only have one album? No, so cool, cool. Keith had has like a billion aliases. He's yeah, doc, he has Doctor Doom as well uh, with three O's. Okay, and a bunch of others. Him and Ice T did an album like the Analog Brothers talking about going from digital to analog. It's just, and then he goes back. Cool Keith goes back to like. The late '80s with the ultramagnetic MCs, but actually, to, to be honest with you, though, Cool Keith was probably one of the, if not the original, like uh, nickname. I mean, rapper where you know he went by different aliases, but had different aliases for his albums, right? Like a lot of rappers maybe have nicknames and sure of that nature, but he 
putting out albums over on, under different names, which yeah. MF Doom would later do the same thing. Yeah, right. I he think that's crazy. Some of, oh, ahead, some of his uh, known names besides Doctor Octagon Ecologist, which is great, uh, were Dicky Long Docking and Underwear Pissy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> underwear pissy might yeah. be one of the worst hip-hop names i've ever heard in my life but i love it oh my gosh i don't really like i've never been super into cool keith like like i don't really know anything i just know o- dr octagon intercologist and like that it's like a story album i've heard it's I like, like really really it's, gritty it's super weird yeah so but i i find it interesting too with mf specifically uh to go back to him a little bit yes the idea of him doing the victor vaughn albums um because like when i because i I i've been looking for some music out of that era a little bit more and i kind of landed on the victor vaughn album and i really didn't think about it when i first started it and then i listened to it i was like this sounds like MF Doom. What's going on? And so I like looked into it and I was like, oh my God, this is another MF thing. Like I didn't even realize when I played it, I knew I could tell who it was when it came on. But like it it's so odd to think that I mean it makes sense for who he is, but yeah. like to go out of your way to release something that doesn't have the clout based out of your own already established name. Though MF Doom wasn't as established at the time. So it makes some sense that he would play with that a little bit, but like just the idea of you trying to make a name for yourself in a three, at three different levels. Like I'm trying to make MF Doom work and also Victor Von work and also King Ghidorah work. And it's like, how do you, how on earth would you be able to make all of those things work simultaneously? Well, the funny thing about Victor Vaughn is um, that was before um, mm, Food and before Mad Villainy. I think that was the first thing he had put out after uh, Operation Doomsday and the MFVP. I think I think that was like '03, maybe like mid '03. I think Ghidorah um, came out in two thousand one. Ghidorah came out in '04. That was oh, that did came it? out at the same time. It came out, so it was pretty amazing when you think of it. Like Mad Villainy came out, mm, Food came out, and um, and uh, Take Me to Your Leader, uh, King Ghidorah came out literally all the same year. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I had saw, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, that's insane that you would be able, especially with like the fact that like they're pretty, you know, well-regarded albums. Like to have that kind of like uh, momentum in the same year and to be able to put out that quality of work in the same year is insane. Like who would have thought? Um, But yeah, there's another thing I was going to, I was going to ask you John about this because I'm not sure you were talking about how there's a lot of people on Twitter who've been kind of like um, speaking negatively about him. I want to dig into another thing about him. I'm not sure if maybe this is part of the reason. Have you both seen some of the information about him using uh, stand-ins in his concerts? I have. Yes. I'll tell you a funny thing about that. So I remember when that was a big deal. It was probably like 2009, 2010. MF Doom literally had the balls, despite all that going on, to put out a live album, right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, so. Yeah, so that was fun. yeah, so what he has done is he has had people come out and perform as if they were just like, as if they were him because he's you know he wears the mask so it's kind of hard to tell that it would be him but they just kind of like you know go through the motions basically there was actually um i believe it was an adult swim specific thing with flying lotus where flying lotus said you know like oh hey you know i know you guys like mf doom here he comes and then out comes this guy performing and then uh flying lotus is like 
wait, hold on. And he's like, who is, I mean, it's obviously a bit, but he's like, who is this? So they take off the mask and it's freaking Hannibal Burris who's pretending to be oh, MF I, Doom. I remember that, I remember that. And it's like, that's so crazy that like you would not, like you would do it enough that they would do it as a bit. Like it's a whole yeah. thing. Um, but I, I, I could definitely see like people being like angry about the idea of wanting to go see a concert, wanting to see somebody perform live and not getting what you're expecting. But when you think about the fact that he is a literal supervillain, it makes so much sense with the persona <laughs> that he's putting on that he would be like, yeah, I'm going to put out stand-ins. I, he, I think he said at one point he was like, I'll put out a white guy at some point to do it. Like I'll, I'll put out I, like, he's like, I don't care. I'm, I'm here. I'm here for it. I'm doing it. Like he's very like, um, he, he's definitely backing himself up on the fact that he does it, which is crazy. Yeah. But I didn't know if maybe that was a reason why people were like kind of turning on him on Twitter was because of that situation. No, I think, I don't know, at least the, twi- the parts of Twitter I frequent, um, they're, they go for the very traditional style of hip hop. Right. And sure. That was kind of back to my original point where I felt like MF doom was as traditional as a Wu-Tang clan or as traditional as a Nas or whoever, where, like I said, he has his moments where, um, you know, he goes a little off, he goes a little, you know, a little abstract or whatever, but sure. Small percentage of his music, I would think is very, um, it goes that way. And the majority of it is just, you know, pure East coast hip hop. East Coast, boom bap, yeah, etc. I uh, and I do love East Coast uh, hip hop for sure. Um, I think that you you mentioned Wu Tang, and I think that's super relevant too to talk about a little bit with that kind of relationship. Because again, he he has collaborated with Ghostface Killer. Um, they are kind of like the original hip hop nerds. That kind of like you yeah. could see like MF Doom would probably gain some you know some inspiration from because like you know Enter the Wu Tang is full of like you know samurai or not not really samurai. It's more of like you know like ninja style like you know samples and stuff, which is so wild that they'd yeah. want to put those kind of things in there. And I know um, another one of their. Um, artist i think it was rizza if i remember correctly had a whole album that kind of did the exact same thing um so you know they, their members are i think that they're very uh intertwined with an mf doom in a lot of ways both in the the style of sampling and also in kind of the uh production work with like the beats and everything so yeah yeah he definitely and you know that's why it, it made sense that they kind of met up later in their career and um did well they were going to do the operation iron man and then he did a couple songs for well really ghostface but it was the whole it was a whole woo on the one song uh i think it was called nine milli bros but yeah i mean mf doom you know he got a lot of his uh i would say his inspirations from Wu-Tang clan from bull keith like we touched on mm-hmm. and and it was kind of like a he was almost like a mixture of all that of all their different personalities kind of put into one really Mm-hmm. I would say, yeah. Uh, I'll go ahead. I'll because I I think we could talk about this album a little bit more too, probably. But I'll go ahead and play my favorite song. I think that the one that has stood out to me probably um, the longest for him is probably Figaro from Mad Villainy. Rest is empty with no brain, but the clever nerd, the best MC with no chain you ever heard. Take it from the tech nine, hold up. David don't know their next time from Shinola. 
Everything that glitter ain't fish scale. Let me think. Don't let her faint, get it smell. A shot of jack, got her back. It's not an act stack. Forgot about the cackalack, holler back, clack, clack, blocker. Villainy, feel them in your heart. Chocolate chart, top of start, shit stopper. Be a smart shopper. Shot a cop day around the way, bout the stable. Who to know is too molded. Wonder where the shooter go. Bout the jet, get him out of bed. I love Figaro. I, I mean, I love like a lot of songs off of Mad Villainy. There's really not, in my opinion, like a song that I think is like a bum track off of the album. Okay. And it's cool because like Accordion's great, Meat Grinder's great, uh, Rhinestone Cowboys. Great. Like I, I could, you know, I could go on and on. But yeah. like, um, it's kind of odd to me that that album really did have any kind of commercial success because, like, again, you know, I don't, I don't think it's like super out there but i think that the production off that album is probably some of the more interesting production that he's had throughout his career because mad lib really just is a whiz when it comes to production in a lot of ways um and i you know like it's not an album that you listen to and think that it would have kind of like a universal appeal it sounds like the kind of album that like you know uh a hip-hop fan would go crazy for for sure but I, I guess it's hard for me to see it having any kind of crossover appeal, I guess. So. And I, and, and I think once again, um, with we we're talking about kind of big names and underground that kind of crossed over. Mad Lib is one that crossed over for sure, especially with his more recent stuff with Freddie Gibbs. I mean, that's love that work. Yeah. I mean, and you know that you, you see that on your Rolling Stone and you see that kind of just about everywhere. Every magazine will talk about them. Um, so I think, Kind of just an MF Doom and a Mad Lib teaming up for an album. I mean, that's like, you know, if you want to go back to the, that's like it's like Nas and DJ Premier, mm-hmm. like even today, if they wanted to team up, right? So that's obviously going to get some attention. So I think that's what kind of did it. And I think people were like, oh, MF Doom, Mad Lib, two big names in the underground world putting an album out together. And then the fact that it was as good as it was, sure. I think those two things kind of helped push them um, over the edge. Yeah. And I would agree with you from what you said earlier. I definitely think it is like top five, top 10 hip hop albums, like period. Um, It's definitely super up there. I think, you know, I really don't, I don't dislike any of MF's work that I've heard, but that's definitely kind of the upper echelon of his music. You know, I think Operation Doomsday is is stellar. I think Victor Vaughn, um, the vaudeville villain album is Oh my gosh! Also, incredible. Those are my three favorites, yeah. Yeah, so you know, those are those are. I, I do really like MF uh, or M Food. I really like uh, Mouse in the Mask. Like, it was really not an album to me that yeah. kind of f- falls away. Um, but I, I, I definitely think that Mad Villain is the the best one. So, like, if you if you were to not be you know super into MF Doom at this point in time, or not even have heard of him until you listen to this podcast, I would say that's a good place to start personally. Yeah. The, the the cool thing about Mad Villain or Mad Villainy is like everything MF Doom and Mad Lib represent kind of intertwine right there. So like you know MF Doom, if, if you actually look at the track listing, um, it's some songs say featuring Victor Vaughn, mm-hmm. it, and I think Fancy Clown is featuring Victor Victor Vaughn, and then with Mad Lib, um, you know he has this little Quasimodo yep. character which is really just him. If you ever listen to it, it's really just him changing his voice high pitch. Actually, he can do that by himself, but yeah, anyways, um, you know, it has some of the Quasimodo on there and then it has a uh, wild child who was in a, a loop pack, which is a group Mad Lib was in in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. And then 
Uh, you know, I don't know. It's just it's kind of every and, and the reason I love that album. Not only is the music superb, and I still kind of pick up on little uh, metaphors and things. You know, 10, 15 years after I've heard it, um, the fact that it's kind of everything that the two represent um, in the one body of work, right? It's like every, yeah. like I said, everything Madlib stands for, and it has a little taste of what Madlib. It it has a taste of the stuff Madlib brings to the table, like the jazzy instrumentals and like i said some of his features and then when he goes a little weird like like for example the track i which is one of my favorite songs on the album at mm-hmm. the end that wouldn't be on a normal mf doom album right that's and then and then even like a i don't know maybe not a fancy clown but maybe like a uh a meat grinder that probably wouldn't be on a mad lib that wouldn't certainly wouldn't be on a freddie gibbs mad lib but i wouldn't no. be on even a mad lib from that time so anyways i mean the reason i love that album just another reason just kind of it's everything the two represent, and it's both of them at their greatest peaks together in one. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I, uh, I it took me a while to actually kind of get into the Quasimodo stuff too. Like, obviously, it's a Quasimodo is a little, um, little different in terms of his hip hop, uh, you know, uh, presentation because of the the voice that he uses. But um, you know, it took me a while to even realize that like Madlib was the one behind the Quasimodo mm. um, moniker. So, and he actually he. Um, has a decent amount of you know um, feature within Mad Villain, um, more than you would really think that that persona would kind of show up within that album. Like he, you know, he he definitely isn't completely gone from that. And and the funny thing about that, like you know, now that you mentioned it, is like, so I've read in interviews that Madlib hates his voice, and I think Madlib even said he's never rapping again. Like he's never actually going to rap again. Mm-hmm. Um. So I just kind of think maybe, you know, let's just say that narrative has kind of stuck with him his whole career. Even if you listen to Mad Villainy, he does rap on it himself, right? Like Shadows of Tomorrow, he he, he raps his Mad Lib. So it's kind of, you know, I, I like to kind of look at that like, you know, it's interesting that he, even though he hated his voice, he still gave his normal voice to an album where he didn't even need to be on there, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he produced it. He didn't need to rap on it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't find his voice to be bad or anything, but I could see maybe an argument that his um his flow and like the way that he kind of prevents uh, presents himself as a um a um hip hop artist as a you know an MC is maybe not as flashy or interesting as maybe other artists so you know i could see maybe if he thought to himself like you know his production is obviously stellar but if he was like if i'm going to produce my album and have me rap on it like it might not make a lot of ground given my voice. So I've got to do something different and interesting here to kind of keep things going, I guess. So, uh, John, why don't you go ahead and tell me, uh, what you think is your favorite overall MF doom track? Well, I mean, I could name a billion songs, but since we were talking about MF grim earlier, mm-hmm. let's uh, go ahead and play a uh, tick tick off of uh, operation doomsday. You got it. Which has MF grim on it. Walk the path of Jesus, witness of hell freezes, the mind teases, reality cracked to pieces, nothing eases, being chastised with blood baptized, dies, revives, acknowledge past lives, statements will be made, acknowledge me, acknowledge me. my mind is heaven's gate, so enter me, enter me. my mind's the gate to hell, so try to flee, try to flee. both gates look the same, which will it be, demons scream. I know that one is definitely one from that album that stands out to me as well. Yeah. So, 
And I mean, like that album definitely has some some great tracks off of it. Do, I mean, the the Doomsday track, you know, it's like basically like the the straight introduction to him is like one of his yeah. biggest songs. So like he yeah. he really kind of like came in strong, like out of the gate with that album in a lot of ways. Um, so at this point, I'm not sure if you guys had anything else that you were wanting to specifically touch on, but this would be a good time for me to ask. Um, I mean, you know, I don't know, not really too much. I mean, you know, Doom's one of my favorite rappers. You know, I've listened to him, you know, forever. As long as I've been into hip hop, I've been a Doom fan. And um, the Zarface album was kind of a good kind of return for him. He kind of been off a for a little bit. Uh, I don't know where he's at now. I mean, I would, I would, I know he's in his late 40s now, which some rappers like to put the mic down at that point. But I would love to see him. Give us another one. So yeah, what he does one of these days. Wasn't his most recent project the Christmas album? Or did he have something after that? Well, the one, you know, the first one besides Zarface, I mean, I, I'm probably wrong. Uh, I know he did some stuff. Uh, he did the JJ Doom with Nariel uh, Gerald. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Sounds um, right. Which was, I, I liked it. I mean, it wasn't his best work, but, uh, and so I think it was called Keys to the Cuffs. Um, and it was pretty good, but ever since then, besides Zarface, I don't think I really heard anything from him, unless I'm forgetting anything big. I don't know. Yeah, Jared, you got anything else you want to talk about? Um, I don't think so. I'm trying to look at what you're talking about. The last thing that I see, uh, in terms like on Wikipedia or whatever, is the Zarface meets Metal Face. Okay. And then before that was uh, Nuruvian Doom, which has a Bishop. Oh yeah. Nuru, Bishop Nuru which yeah. is 2014, as I said. There's some instrumental stuff. Uh, he does have a lot of instrumental stuff too. I believe that he that persona is still MF Doom, but it's like metal fingers metal instead fingers. of instead of metal face. Yeah. yeah. He <laughs> had a cook a song, uh, Cookie Chips, come out this year with Reggie Snow. Uh, I don't know, just random stuff. Just yeah. He had another song called Pizza uh, Pizza Shop Extended, that is a featured song. He's done some stuff with Cool Keith, which is funny because we brought up Cool Keith earlier. Yeah. yeah. Um, the song with the avalanches, that's fun. Oh, that's so right. Yeah, the one has Danny Brown. And, yeah, uh, that was good. Yeah. Frankie Sinatra, oh, you right, should play right. that song. Yeah, we can play Frankie Sinatra. Play Frankie Sinatra, that's good. This is your chance to talk about it, Caleb. Take some vodka, some slow rocker, rip rocks since the days when Frankie Crocker rock. From a stocky stock, no floors, illy right hook to make Rocky block. That's no poppycock pirate. We can keep an irate, or we can keep an irate. Tidely, we keep it 100. From the heights and all the lights, selling tough and muffin. Come with that head bag of booty for that ass. I also forgot because I'm looking at it now. There was another one that I wanted to bring up. Um, was his collaboration with um, the Ghostface Bad Bad Not Good Sour Soul album. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I, I forgot that he was on that until this week. I, I knew that he was on there, but I because I revisit that album every once in a while because it's a really, really good collaboration between Ghostface Kill and Bad Bad Not Good. Um, but I, I kind of forgot that he was on there, and that, that's a pretty good feature as well. Yeah. This is this was your chance to talk about Plunderphonics. You said you'll never get a chance, and I I set you up. That's true. Avalanches are an interesting group where they they I mean it's kind of really um, it feels very similar to hip hop in a lot of ways because of the way that they sample so mm-hmm. much. Uh, but Plunderphonics is kind of this um, this 
abstract thing where they just take it, it's really just samples that's like the whole concept of uh, the uh, plunder phonics kind of genre mm-hmm. is that they just take samples put them together splice them together create this um this album um avalanches they have a pretty big album i believe it's since i left you is the name of the album and that one it has like thousands and thousands of samples in it and it's like how do you do this it's crazy how do they how do they do that because i know like as far as sampling goes i know um it was like the late 90s and i think there was a lawsuit against de la soul i think and or beastie boys and because they were sampling literally each song had like hundred samples or something yeah <laughs> like okay you need to start paying these artists <laughs> i know that early on in hip-hop like sampling was kind of easy to get away with because a lot of people weren't really like paying attention to hip-hop and weren't really like they didn't really care anyways they're like well, whatever like this isn't going to make a lot of money but now it's like yeah you absolutely have to get permission but like yeah it's crazy to think that they would be able to have that many samples and like how on earth would they be able to not only put them together for a cohesive song or project but also get permission from like so many different people to be like hey can i use like three seconds of this thing and then also three seconds of this thing and also two seconds like it's crazy but uh, they have a new album coming out sometime, hopefully this year. Yeah, it I'm says December to. of 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 this year, December eleventh, supposedly. Gotcha. But yeah, they had cool. an that album came out in two thousand, the one you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank Sinatra was on what Wildflowers? Is that right? Yeah, Wildflower. Yeah, but it's funny out, because yeah. that album came out uh, in two thousand since I left you, and then their next album didn't come out until two thousand and sixteen. Yeah. So they had to get songs that they had previously been made and get them all together to be able to make another album 16 years later yeah that's pretty crazy so yeah um I, I can't think of any other like i know that like uh there was one point where he collaborated on vast airs um solo album look bomb no hands who's from cannibal ox um yeah. collaborated with obviously you know de la soul um, I'm trying to think some of my favorite features. He has um, Project Jazz, which which is a Hellraiser, and Talib Kweli, and um, he produced that. So an amazing beat, and he I think he goes by Victor Vaughn on that feature. Um, oh, he did a song with a uh, Prime, which is Royce the Five Nine and DJ Premier. Oh, okay. Um, and it also had Fonte from Little Brother, another one of my favorites. Uh, called Highs and Lows. It was really, it kind of slipped under the radar. I think that came out like twenty. 20- 2018 2016 mm-hmm. um yeah it's really i mean, yeah, I mean when it comes down to it like yeah. mf doom like if you listen to all his albums don't think that you have seen it all like he's because he is just yeah. like so versatile in terms of like who all he can perform with that it's like sure like you can do gorillas avalanches <laughs> you know regular hip-hop artists you know <laughs> underground hip-hop artists whatever and like as if he can keep putting out random songs you will never run out of things to listen to for mf doom so so yeah all right well i think that is a good place to wrap up john i appreciate you being on again it was wonderful having you on the show thanks for having me guys you are always coming back yeah you are always a, a wonderful and helpful voice on this show you bring a lot of good perspective so mike check thank you for listening to this week's edition of record roundtable Appreciate you listening, of course. Appreciate John being here with us. Check out all of our uh, social media bits, Facebook, Instagram, so on and so forth. Check us out on Patreon.com, Patreon.com slash Record Roundtable. Check out our website, RecordRoundtable.com. Next week, we're going to be talking about idols. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. 
another cop, no drop. Hold mics, life ponytails tight and bobble ops. Stop, stick around, come through and dig the sound on the fly brown 6060 cycle. Who throws a dick around? Bound to go three flat.